Hey, good morning, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing? All right, if you would, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I'm also going to read here at the start from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You know, we were, uh, we were just kind of worshiping there, and you know, you bring joy. How's the line go? You give me joy, you give me joy. And I just, I, I was thinking about, you know, so long ago when we first started the church, uh, one of the desires that we had was we were kind of like pilgrims, you know, crossing the, the, uh, the ocean and uh, in search of freedom. You know, we wanted to be able to worship like we saw worship in the Bible, you know, and I know there's times to be quiet and reflective and real somber and serious and the Lord's in His holy temple and be really still and quiet. That, there's times for that. This morning I was thankful that it was not one of those times and it was just glorious and praising God and just awesome and uh, just thankful that, you know, all the people that serve with our worship and just do such a wonderful job. Amen. And one of those guys is my, just happens to be my son-in-law, so that's pretty cool. Um, okay, Romans 12. Everybody doing all right? Wake, uh, got the first service group here this morning. I did wonder in the back of my mind, was first service going to be a little larger today just because I heard something was happening at noon, but I can't tell if you guys are thinking that way or not. Oh, there is one. Okay, yeah, so going to just be honest about it. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm thrilled to get to be here this morning. Let's, let's, I, I feel like the Lord's given me a word for us uh, inside out. We're going to talk about that. So here we go. Let's read a little scripture together. Therefore, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and to prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then also from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And so those are the two ideas that we're really going to be uh, touching on today. We're getting near the end of this series called The Good Life. This is number six. We're going to do one more, uh, one more, and really this is a setup for next week. And you don't want to miss next week because it's a rare occurrence in the history of Christ's fellowship. Our speaker uh, is going to be none other than, drum roll here, uh, Miss Kim Miller. So... <laughs> thanks for thanks for encouraging. Thanks for encouraging. I was like, you can do this. You can do this. And so it's going to be like a she's going to unpack from her own story, which the, those of you guys know, she's got a powerful story of God's love and grace and how the Lord has met her just in, in such a wonderful way. So throughout this whole series, we've been looking at this idea of that the good life is actually lived as we are just come to recognize that we're supposed to be disciples. And disciples that aren't just kind of in neutral, but disciples that are being changed 
and conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. So we're disciples that are following Jesus and we're being changed. And, and, and it's not just for us. It's that we're changed so that we can, yes, be and bring glory to God in our own lives, but also touch other people's lives and help to make things right in the earth, on the earth, in the way things should be. And so kind of navigating some of that in the series, we, we said God's good. You've got to have that top button button and know that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's good at His core. That's, that's His disposition toward us. And that we have life within. We have new life. And that, that this gospel that we preach is the gospel that Jesus reigns, that Jesus is the King, that His kingdom has come, and that in Jesus' life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, in that whole event of the life of Jesus, everything changed. When He stepped out of that tomb, man, Everything changed. That's our declaration, and it's rocked the world. Okay? And we're living into that kingdom. We're praying for that kingdom to come. Last week, we talked about being the church together and being close enough in relationships and life group to actually live this thing out. And so, one of the things that we're, you know, just again today, just we want to be clear disciples that are being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Let's just say that together. Disciples that are being changed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's, that's where we're going. That's what we're trying to do. And getting clear about this whole area is a big deal. I'm not sure how you guys came to the Lord. And I would imagine there's a whole bunch of crazy testimonies in this room. But depending on how you came to the Lord it has a great effect on how you walk out your life with Jesus. And it can be that you just are running your Laura Ingalls Wilder through the fields of grace. You know, just uh, there was a show a long time ago, a little, you know, right. And so uh, you're, you're, that's you, you know, and you're just grace and running. But others, depending on how we came to the Lord, we had some hurdles to overcome to actually start walking in some real freedom. I'll share a little bit of my own story. When I was 12, there was a famous evangelist that came to the church where I was at in Houston. And he preached a message called, What is Hell Like? Okay? And so it scared uh, the Hades out of me. It's, it scared me like crazy. And uh, I remember his little book. He had a little book, What is Hell Like? That he, it was out there, you know, you could get it. And there were flames and there were little black silhouettes of people. You know, in the flame. And it's like the whole thing was very frightening to me. And it was a big no. You know, it's like, I don't want to do that. And so I walked down the aisle, confessed Christ was baptized, and, you know, it lasted for a little bit. But the don't go to hell, you know, it's like telling a kid, you know, like the only instruction you ever gave your child was don't stick your finger in the, in the plug, you know, don't do this, don't do that. You, you eventually have to have something you're, you're moving toward. And so it took about 10 years for me and not connecting with church at all in college, you know, and at the end of that, you guys know the story, at the bottom of the pit, I met G I had a revelation of Jesus. He came, I was crying my eyes out thinking about how I was going to kill myself, and Jesus was suddenly before me smiling, going like this, and I said, Jesus, if that's you, you've got to save me. I'm so lost. So, and from that point on of meeting Jesus, of connecting with Him where I hadn't before, everything changed. My whole, like, out of the pit of hell into a life-giving relationship with the Savior. So that was 
you know, the, the, the no. And it's not that, hey, I mean, there's bad stuff that, that separates you from God and you don't want to do that. Sin's real. Hell's real. You know, but it won't carry the day to get you into a, a relationship that's really going to change. You need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. So we, that's why we preach Jesus so much. So maybe that, that connects with you. Others might have this, and, and I, the, let me just emphasize again, the reason why this is so important, why I'm talking about this is the message you respond to determines how you move forward. It determines how you move forward. And so I want to just be real clear about the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace of God in Christ this morning. And so, you know, some people may have come through the path that Martin Luther came to Christ. He was an Augustinian monk, and he was unbelievably experiencing guilt. He could not live up to the law. And so he had this, you know, he's always trying to do stuff, always trying to earn his way, earn favor, get this relief from this guilt he was experiencing all the time. And so when he finally discovers justification by faith, he then prescripts that as the way that people come to faith. They, they, everyone needs to go through this tight place of feeling guilt and being overwhelmed by the law in order to get to the experience of grace that's found in Jesus. Now, a lot of us, we, we come through that same path. We, we come through that same path. And if you do that, then there's this ongoing, a lot of times, a sense of now in Christ, I'm trying to do these things and I still experience this sense of performance or guilt because I'm not doing these things just right. And the problem with that is, and really for the last 50 years or so, people have really been rethinking some things about Martin Luther's description of how people come to Christ. And the, one of the big things is Martin Luther is not the best guy, as wonderful as how he helped us with the Reformation, he's not the best guy to describe the reality of the Jews. Okay, In fact, some of his writings were used in terrible ways by the Nazis to persecute the Jews because of things that Martin Luther said. You guys may not realize that. And so it's like maybe there's some things there that need to be rethought. Does everybody need to go through this path of, of doing the law and then feel, feeling guilty for not being able to do it in order to get to Jesus? I mean, is that what the Jews did? Is, you know, think about it. I mean, Paul, like the, the Jew of Jews, the Hebrew of Hebrews, did he feel guilty about not being able to do the law? And was that his way to Jesus? Now, listen to this. This is a big deal. Philippians chapter 3 Everybody's still tracking with me? Am I messing with people? I might be doing that. Philippians 3. Here we go. Here's Paul's description. He says, no, it's we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself have reasons for such confidence. And here we go. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. You're going to tell a two-wisdom-tooth story. I'm going to tell you a four-wisdom-tooth story. If you're going to tell something this big, I'm going to tell something this big. Okay, here we go. I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So the right people, the right tribe, the right clan, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. I'm like the, in the, the hippest group that's doing the law. 
And as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Oh, man, that's kind of a bummer. That's kind of doesn't really fit with the whole you go through the law in order to get guilty and then you finally find Jesus. So the law was something that marked them out. They were they were chosen by grace like we're chosen by grace. You know, Abraham, what did Abraham do? Abram, when he was chosen. I mean, in the end, Paul just says he believed God. He was chosen. He believed God. Those people chosen. They believed God. Now, these things marked them out, but it wasn't the 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 confining straight that they were trying to walk through in order to get to God. And I'm saying that to say, hey, man, if there's some work on the inside of us that needs to happen, Lord, let it happen. I got to hear this guy from England, from the University of Durham this past week named John Barclay, who's just written an excellent book called Paul and the Gift. And uh, so he, you know, he, he, one of the things he talked about was we all have symbolic capital. Symbolic capital. That's like things in our past life, like Paul, these things that we look to and say, you know, I was a great athlete. You know, I was, I was a rock star or I was a mom or I, I did this and this defines me and gives me meaning and perfect identity. Um, I'm more radical than anybody else. I'm, you know, got more faith than anybody else. Whatever the thing is. Does that make sense? Symbolic capital. And so in Jesus, we are given a gift of grace. And again, why am I saying this? Because it's an inside-out work. And if we don't get this thing, we're going to find ourselves trying to you know, wrestle, claw, scrape, you know, and all the guilt that goes along with that. So, it, you know, uh, the word grace means gift. It doesn't mean it, that's what it means. Gift. It's a gift. God gives us a gift that is, it's mind-blowing, actually, because it's beyond, it doesn't fit us. It's a mismatched gift, really. So in the, in the first century, in the first century, you've got this patron-client reality. So this would maybe be a, another great way of describing the way God gives us His grace. Patron and client. So the patron, because there's like 80% of the, the world at that time were slaves, everybody needed to be connected to somebody else. You know, so it's good to have somebody who could... It's the way the economy worked. You've got patrons, people that own houses, you know, that might have 50 people connected to them where they give gifts and the client could never repay that gift, but there was a real, it was reality that they would give gifts back. Not in an effort to repay it, it couldn't be repaid, but it solidified the relationship. There was a, a reciprocity, there was a giving and a reciprocity from the client in giving back. That's the context into which the grace of God comes. Like, when we give gifts, Christmas is coming, right? Anybody thinking about Christmas yet? You know, like I'm impressed if somebody's starting to get gifts already. So, some of you guys probably think that through. I don't want to be stressed this year. I'm going to do that early. But we give gifts. To, it makes sense to us. You know, somebody I know, my family, you know, it, 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 make, it makes sense. Somebody at work, and we, get, we don't give gifts to everybody. And so the gift of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ is mismatched. You know, it's like, it's for everybody. It's a blow away. It's 
for the poor, the blind, the lepers, the lame, the, 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 the self-righteous, the, the religious, the drug dealers, and all of us. That's what some of you were. That's what some of I was. Make sense? And so it's a mismatch. It's like crazy. And, and yet, and this will set you free if you hear me on this. God really does want us giving back. But not to earn anything. He knows that it's for our best. It's for our, it actually grows me up to live a sacrificial giving lifestyle. Praising God and living life with other people where I pour out. But I'm not trying to walk through this narrow thing of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. I'm living in relationship with God. Does this make sense? Now, that's like way more the first century understanding than, than what, I, I believe, than what Luther came up with 1,500 years later. Everybody tracking? Big deal. It's a big deal. And for shaping us from the inside out, God knows that it's best. He wants us in relationship with Him, wants the world to know Him and be in relationship with Him. He wants to, us to join Him in renewing restoration. You bring restoration. He's going to do that through us. So today we're just taking another step forward in this whole thing that we've been talking about, the good life, the best life that God has for us. And here's the main thing. God wants us to see that the way we grow as disciples is from the inside out. Brian, it's from inside out. All of us, Perry, inside out, inside out, inside out. So let's look at this. Two big things, and uh, I'll make these points, and then we'll respond a little bit to the Lord. This message, uh, I'll just go ahead and do a little foreshadowing, is for everybody. There's nobody, nobody's off the hook today. <laughs> I need this. We all need it. So the first piece of it then is that, that uh, we grow by renewing the mind. See, nobody's going, oh, I don't need that. In fact, you can say amen if you wanted to. Yeah, by renewing the mind. So be transformed. Let me go back to Romans 12 there. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So, I mean, that's part of coming to the Lord. And that's part of walking with the Lord. Is that you give yourself mind, heart, soul, body. You give yourself to the Lord. And that's how we walk on with Him. But it's not just, hey, I believe a few facts and then kind of do my life the way I want to do it. My whole life is oriented to Jesus. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's the way you live this life. And he goes on, he says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we offer ourselves, but we also don't conform to the world. We are being renewed and transform, the word there for transformation is metamorphosis. Okay, literally, in the, it's the metamorph, has some kind of ending on, I don't know what the ending is, but it's literally metamorph, psi or you know, something on the, in the end of that word. But it's, literally, it's where we get metamorphosis from. So metamorphosis is, uh, not going to say the larva and the fly one, um, the tadpole and the frog. Metamorphosis, something like this changes into something else. Caterpillar, yeah, you guys get this. Uh, uh, perishable body, glorified body. Like this thing that God's doing in us is absolutely, whoa, 
I mean, I was reading C.S. Lewis yesterday and this morning, The Weight of Glory. It's a little essay, The Weight of Glory. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, toward the end he says, you know, the weight of glory, what the weight of glory is, you know, we can think about too much about our own glory and what's going to, you probably could do that, but you can't think about too much about other people's glory and what's going to happen in them. You can't think about that too much, and that is the weight of glory on us, and the only way we can carry it is in humility. So the weight of glory on us is thinking about uh, what's going to happen with Darren one day, you know, or with Jim one day. And what he said is, even the most uninteresting person right now who's just kind of dull and uninteresting, to see them glorified would be somebody that you would want to probably fall down because we're not used to being in the presence of that kind of glory. And by the same token, moving in the opposite direction, if somebody's denying God, denying Jesus, living self, 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 the, 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 result, the end result of that is something hideous and nightmarish. And God wants us to be people that see, I mean, just this is awkward, I know, when I have you look around, but just look around the room and think about the glory in James. The glory in Angela that's coming. You know, the glory in Andy, in Charlie, the glory that's coming. It's awesome. It's an, it's an awesome, awesome thought. And that, that life, that life, that eternal life is actually in us right now. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life right now. It like start, it's, it's in me. And that's why I always say, look at me because I'm changing. And I'm not the same Jamie that I was 20 years ago. You know, I'm changing. I, I, I know I'm changing. And, and it, yeah, it's good. And so how does that life get out? Part of it, it's an inside work. It's the renewing of the mind. We need our minds renewed. Fact. The fact is, we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have, I have the mind of Christ. The challenge is renewing my mind so that I walk in that. You know, and I'm not just, just, you know, carnal mind is what I think most of the time apart from Jesus. The mind of Christ is a turning to Him and calibrating my mind, my thoughts, my heart, my life, all that inside stuff. Some of us, uh, I know the ladies, uh, some ladies are going to be going down to hear Dr. Caroline Leaf in November. Uh, at Antioch in Waco, and she's like a neuroscientist, brain scientist person, and she's really big on how our minds think, and that we are constantly constructing things in our minds, our ways of thinking that are getting out into our lives, our words, our actions, our smile, our just kind of in general crankiness. That's still a smile. But I think, and out of the fullness of my insides, words come out. Right? That's the way it works. So, uh, Leaf, oh, we were going to bring the little tree thing. Arr. Yeah, yeah, you'll get to use it next week. Okay, all right. So, um, she, uh, Leaf, uh, they've done like, uh, somehow they've taken pictures of the brain and they came up with toxic thinking, toxic versus healthy thinking. Toxic thinking, it's like, these little black lines, and it takes up all this space in your brain, and it doesn't bring life to the person. 
And so she illustrates that with this little black, gnarly little tree with no leaves on it, and that's toxic thinking. So we, we, Kim gets to use a little, she bought it, you know, I was going to use it today. But that's toxic thinking is, is like that. And healthy thinking is life-giving, you know. And the more healthy thinking we do, the more it puts to an end to this stuff over here that's dragging us down and hurting us and hindering us from being renewed daily in our minds. So what's it look like to do this? Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Everybody hanging in there? Okay, all right. So Colossians 3 verse 2. Let's just look at a few verses. 3 verse 2. This is what it looks like. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Okay, so your life's hidden with you know, with, with Christ and God now. So he goes on more specifically. Put to death, verse 5, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, okay? So sexual immorality is a toxic way of thinking. Put that stuff to death. Don't even let the door crack open on that stuff. Put it to death. Put an end to it. Sexual immorality, put an end to it. Put it to death. Impurity, put it to death. Lust, Put it to death. Evil desires and greed. Put it to death. Those things are idolatry. Those are allegiances that take priority over Jesus Christ in our lives. Put those things to death. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. It ticks God off. It makes Him angry for us to walk in those ways as His people. Amen. Amen, Jamie. You're preaching. Okay. Uh, You know, you used to walk in those ways in the life that you used to live, but now rid yourself of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its Creator, in the knowledge and the image of its Creator. Here, there's not all these old divisions. Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is is all and in all. So, what does it look like? It looks like I'm looking to heaven. My mind is set on things above. It doesn't mean that I'm out of touch with life, but it does mean that in the midst of life, I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking to heaven. Paul has a great example of the way we're to think about each other and life and things in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is what it looks like. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, this is the way you think. Think about these things. Be intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional about the way you think. There's no neutral. There is no neutral. I have to fight for this. This is a battle. This is one of the the biggest battlegrounds you'll ever experience in life. It's your mind. It's, it's right here. It's between these ears. And, and just, you know, it's like cheerful heart's good medicine. It's like I'm victorious in Christ. Like my prayers are powerful and effective. I need to have some stuff that's, you know, my, the, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace so that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just, we need, you know, this kind of thinking and renewing of our minds in order to progress on as disciples who are being conformed to the image of Christ. Okay, so that's the first one, renewing the mind. The second one, we grow also 
Not just by renewing the mind, but by guarding the heart. So that passage, you know, again from 423 is above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. So there's something happening there. The, the, the heart is often pictured as the seat of the internal life. And it's kind of like a governor. You know, go there, go there, go there. And we end up being ruled by this thing if we don't guard our hearts. And we're ruled by emotions or desires or sin or whatever the thing is. You, if you can remember, you know, your former life or maybe you're there and you need Jesus to set you free, He doesn't just tweak your heart. He gives you a new heart. And it's good news. But the way I think about it is my heart is like a gate for the Spirit. Okay, so you, here's Jamie, my body. There's my soul. It's kind of that internal part of mind, will, emotions. And then I've got down in there where God lives, my spirit, that innermost part of me where God lives. Well, my heart is kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a gate, a door around that, that if I'll stay sensitive and tender to God, what you touch more and more is the spirit of Jesus. If I'm broken and humble, you touch the spirit of Jesus. That, but if I get hardened, you know, and, and what you touch isn't, you know, it's not Jesus. You, you touch that porcelain, Jamie. The hard guy that, you know, just, do you see the difference? So guarding your heart is this tender, being sensitive to the Spirit, not saying no, Jesus, no, Jesus, no, but saying, yes, I want to obey you. I want to walk with you. Sensitivity or hardness is like open, shut, open, shut. See, God really does live in us. Christ in you is the hope of this life happening, of glory. It's the indwelling Spirit, the presence of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit inside of us. And the heart is the key. It's the wellspring of life. I got to spend some nights this past week down in Waco with some friends. Uh, I was down there with some classes stuff and... and uh, I stayed with the Buchers, Rick and Diane Buchers. How many of you guys know Rick and Diane? So Rick and Diane helped us to start here listening prayer. And uh, these guys are great. I mean, and, you know, so one of the things Rick gave us a number of years ago when he came in, Laura helps lead that whole thing for us, but, but Rick and Diane came in with this thing called tending your heart. So it's just tending your heart is... It's just a simple little, we can get that. It might even be on, on the website. If it's not, we can put it up. But it's just, when you sense things that trigger you, make you anxious, afraid, experience pain, feel lonely, all these things that are like, and they make you angry, or they make you pull back, shut down, turn off, things that tighten up your heart. It's good to go, Father, and I, you can just hear Rick right now, Father, and that Tasmanian uh, accent, kind of Australian. Father, what is that that I'm? Ex now I feel like English or Italian. I, what is that that I'm experiencing right now? Uh, whatever. Uh, mercy, but Rick, I love him, man. We love Rick. Can't do a Tasmanian accent, but I love Rick. And uh, you know what? What's going on there? We want to be sensitive to that and say, Lord, I renounce that. And I, I want to just, Lord, take that. Take that away. And Lord, replace that with something from You. 
a truth from you that would be life-giving to me. Years ago, this is probably 17 years ago, um, I went through a very, very difficult situation. It was, it, was, it was hard. And I'd always in the past been able to make things work relationally with people. Just I could go, come on, you, you go low, I go lower. You go low, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to slide up beside you and could, you could kind of make things work. You know? But in this thing, I could not make it work. And it was, it was a new experience for me. And I went to see a, a prophetic voice uh, that I, just a, a guy, a prophetic, that sounds weird. I went to see a, I went to see a guy who is a real well-known prophetic voice in the church. The name John Paul Jackson. And, uh, and John, Paul said, Jamie, I've been praying for you. And, uh, you know, and I told him about the situation. He goes, and I want you to know that the Lord's showing me that uh, this thing's going to get worse before it gets better. I was like, all right, wow. Like, it sounded pretty authoritative. It all worked out that way, too, by the way. Um, he said, but the Lord has given me this by revelation for you. The Lord wants you to guard your heart. That's His Word for you. You guard your heart. And I'm telling you guys, probably in the next two years, I remembered that Word from Him 200 times. Just 200 times. Over and over. I'd, I'd be tempted to like, oh, this is so frustrating. Guard your heart. Keep your heart tender. Forgive. Love. Bless. Love. Bless. Keep your heart tender. You know, and that's what it looks like. It looks like loving people. Keeping your heart tender. Looks like blessing people. It looks like forgiving. But, you know, and I can say this built on this foundation of you're not trying to work your way into something because of what God's given you. That's the good news. And so, it, it also looks like keeping my heart tender looks like spending time with Jesus every single morning, 365 days a year. That's not, you know, that maybe you go, that's legal. It's not legal. Not for me. I love being with Jesus. I, it's good for my heart. It's, it's part of how I tend my heart. You know, and so I get up and I, I worship. I worship. And you don't know what to do on this thing. In this song we just sang, I sing praises to your name. Praises. So look his name, Josh Baldwin. Josh Baldwin. And YouTube, in your office room, by yourself, YouTube that. There's a band version. There's an acoustic version. I've been using that every single morning for two weeks. And I'm in there. I sing praises to your name. Name that's higher than all names. Be lifted up. Just, yes. Be lifted higher. And it changes me. It changes my heart. It changes my thinking. And I'm not the same, you know, when I do that. You know, it looks like prayer. Praying for people. Getting into God's presence. You know, all those, those kinds of... Uh, those kinds of things. It looks like sometimes getting still and silent enough to know where there's some heart work that needs to happen in loving or forgiving or blessing or praying or all that kind of stuff and keeping a tender heart. Okay, so renewed mind, tender heart, guarding your heart. And here's an interesting piece. I'll just throw this in. Is this, as I'm moving toward the, just wrapping this up, 
There's an interesting thing about your heart, and that is that our heart's desires are not just shaped by you thinking thoughts in this internal. Your heart's desires are actually partially, in a big way, maybe even, shaped by what you do. So what you do all day long today, what you do tomorrow and this week is shaping the desires of your heart. And we hit this from time to time, but that's why it's so critical for us to be people, a, a people together. You know, what we do in singing praise and worship and having communion and, and uh, uh, hearing from the Word of God, all these things, being together, being in our life groups, these things are like rituals, liturgies that shape us and change us and reorient our hearts and our desires to the things above. Does this make sense? So, you know, if you think, well, that's just, I'm free, I just, I can do whatever I want to do. Yes, you can, but it's good for your soul to be meeting with brothers and sisters. Seriously, I, I just, I can't say it enough. My heart is shaped by the things that I do. And I want Jesus more by being with Jesus' people more and in an ongoing way. I'm not checking off a box to get up and meet with Jesus or to be here you know, on Sundays. I, I need it for my soul. To be at Life Group, I need it for my soul. He who began a good work in you and in me is going to finish it. He's not going to leave you hanging, but He wants you to respond. So the work that He started in you, He wants you to work out. So He's given you this gift but He wants you to respond in giving to Him and to others. Not because you're trying to pay something back. You can't. It's utterly and absolutely impossible to pay back this gift. It's, that's not it. But it does bring you into deeper relationship with Him, His people, and His purpose to be living that way. It really does. So much of our lives are lived right in here. Inside, out, renewed minds. What we think about. What we love how we forgive, who we think about, the ways we think about them. And we will speak out of the fullness of our hearts. It's not a, it might happen, it will happen. It's just, it's the truth. It's not, hey, this might, you might try this on. You're actually doing it, everybody's doing it, I'm doing it, you're doing it, we're all doing it. But the way God brings us to maturity, and what He wants for us is the best life, this life where Jesus is more and more our treasure, more and more our very life, more and more we're being conformed to His image. More and more we're able to help others because of His life that's taking shape in us. And more and more we're even able to see that Dennis is going to be this, whatever Dennis is going to be, glorified. I mean, in the weight of that, treating Him like that. Loving Him like that. And loving people around us like that. That's where it just gets practical. The weight of that glory of other people and what's going to happen in their lives. And I'll just finish with this. Like last week, you know, the way we live this out, you guys, is community. We, we need each other. We need Jesus. We need, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I can't stay encouraged enough by myself. I need Laura's encouragement. You know, I can't stay encouraged enough. I need Grant's encouragement. He said, well, you sound like a pretty discouraged guy. I, I, I don't know about you. I leak. Like crazy, I'm I'm a leaker, and uh, you know you take a few 
two-by-fours of life upside the head and you go, wow, I need some encouragement. And we all do. We all do. So, how many of you guys would say, hey, there was something I really got out of this today and the Lord might be kind of speaking to me a little bit. Just let me, let me know. Okay, so let's just stand up and let's just respond to the Lord. So it could be the, there's kind of three big pieces. Worship team's coming. The ministry team's coming. We do this, if you're visiting with us, we do this every, every Sunday, every service. Just a little bit of response time to just say, Lord, what you're speaking to me, I want to pray that in. I want to get somebody to, just agree with me in prayer. And it could be something I specifically touched on about grace or about a renewed mind or about a tender heart in the things of the Spirit, about growing as a disciple that's being changed into the image of Christ. Any of that, I mean, again, we all need this. I, I want a renewed mind. I want a tender heart. I want to grow in the image of Jesus. So, uh, Lord, just meet us here today. And... Uh, you know, if it's a need for healing, get prayer. If it's a need for just some kind of other real practical thing that's going on in your life, I may not, may not know about it. You know. So just get somebody to pray. Come up front, get prayer. Pray with somebody beside you if it fills up. Lord, meet us today. We want to come running to You. We want to just say, yes, God. I want to get rid of that, that uh, toxic thinking, that just that dead-looking stuff in my mind. I want to live in life with you. I want to just get rid of that hard heart and just have a tender heart of love. And I want to be changed, Lord, from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and get prayer. Let's press into God. Everything changes. We need you, Lord.